Thank you for joining the Quantum AI series. We feature the global innovators shaping the future of quantum computing. And today we meet Dr. Michael Marthaler, the CEO and co-founder of HQS Quantum Solutions, a startup based in Germany. HQS is a pioneer in the application of quantum mechanics for materials development. And the company provides software for material scientists in the chemical industry and academia that incorporates quantum level models. Michael, it's a great pleasure to host you today. Thank you again for accepting my invitation. Yeah, it's uh, nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Can you please define for our audience what are quantum simulations and why your company HQS specialize in quantum simulations for material scientists? Mm -hmm. So actually the word quantum simulations is sometimes used in different contexts. Sometimes it's used for a particular quantum device which you use to simulate something. Sometimes it's also called analog quantum simulation. But that's not what we mean actually with it. And when we say quantum simulation, we mean in general that you solve, you know, the equations of quantum mechanics to describe some problem from nature. And why would you want to do this? I mean, in general, everything in nature is described by quantum mechanics. Therefore, you know, if we can solve the um, laws of quantum mechanics or the equations of quantum mechanics, we can basically describe any material property, any chemical reaction, anything. And in practice, we cannot do that. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that the quantum computer is powerful and the fact that we cannot solve the laws of quantum mechanics in a normal computer is kind of connected. But of course, we can solve the laws of quantum mechanics efficiently on a quantum computer. And um, so it's a very natural thing to work on. And then if you ask yourself, okay, who would be interested in this, then it's, well, people who have this type of problems like chemical reactions where you want to really understand it on the quantum level. I mean, you know, if you want to work on more materials or so, you don't always need to have it on the like really microscopic quantum level even if in principle you could simulate everything precisely from that, you can also make more effective models. But for many areas like chemistry or so, you really want to understand on this microscopic level of atoms and so on, where you really need to understand the quantum mechanics. And so this is why this is a particularly interesting area to use quantum computers. It's very natural. It's probably will work on quantum computers earlier than any other application. And of course, you can to some extent do something already now with normal computers, but very limited. Thank you. So within the chemicals industry, then you've made some great points there. Who is your ideal customer? So who would you who would be most in mm -hmm. who would this benefit most your solution? Thanks. Yeah, I mean. Um, let me maybe first say a little bit what we do really in terms of engaging when we work with customers from industry on one side or what we also work really internally. And basically, it's like not really divided. I mean, it should be connected, but it's it's currently, let's say, the, the two things we do. One is internally, we work on getting all this done and really working on a quantum computer. 
to make the simulations possible using quantum computers. And the major challenge to make that possible is the fact that quantum computers are sensitive to errors. Yeah. So if you make an operation on a quantum computer, run an algorithm, during this algorithm, you accumulate for each operation, you do a certain amount of error. And if we look far into the future, it's kind of clear how this problem will be solved on the hardware level. But right now, all the quantum computers actually have substantially large error probabilities per operation. And we work on our algorithms to really make the algorithms work despite, or even well, in some sense, to integrate these errors into the application. And this is one part that we do. Now, when we work with industry customers, it's about simulation more directly. And then the goal is normally that we work on simulation as far as it's possible on normal computers. And um, then what we do is we build up basically a workflow where you take like your real problem or kind of your real chemical reaction or material problem and break it apart into smaller, into smaller parts. And then some of these smaller parts still can be solved efficiently with some kind of approximation or whatever on a normal computer. And some parts you pick out and say, this we really want to solve with high precision using the full laws of quantum mechanics. And this you make them very small to solve it on a normal computer right now, but you know you can make it bigger in the future when you have the quantum computer. So in this workflow, then is a particular part where you can plug in the quantum computer in the future. But this already works right now on a normal computer and can produce value. And if you do that, the type of ideal problem that is particularly interesting, I would say it's either a problem from Conant's matter. So, for example, properties of a magnet, yeah, where you want to scan through various materials and see are they what is kind of the strength of the magnetization or something like this, or properties of kind of bulk materials uh, related to conductivity, so electron transport. So that's like one interesting part, and the other part that's very interesting always is everything involving chemical reactions. Yeah, even always, if you have a chemical reaction, normally there is always a part that you need to simulate quantum mechanically to get a precise view of the energy barriers involved and so on. And um, and so, an ideal customer, for example, is interested in catalysis, yeah, in optimizing the catalysis process in some way or another. Has ideally also some experience with one of chemistry, but also has interest in going beyond current standard uh, methods in one of chemistry and invest a certain amount into a software development, basically where you build your own tools and your own workflows for specialized applications in your company and to simulate, to simulate particular problems that you have. Are you able to share a real life example like a real customer example that you're working on now? Mm. Well, let me just think. I think we have some that I can unfortunately not share, but maybe um, maybe I can just describe a, a kind of a rough example um, of of where this how this would look like. Um, 
it's not exactly what we do for customers, but very close. So a typical case would, for example, be um, you want to find a magnet that does not involve rare earth materials. Okay, so normally the strong magnets, permanent magnets, all involve rare earth materials, but this can be pretty expensive and um, also has supply um, supply line issues um, and. Um, Therefore, you can say, okay, this is what I want. And then basically you can basically start and say, okay, we want to generate a certain amount of other chemical compounds that we want to see how magnetic they are and how strongly magnetic they are. And instead of making this all in the lab, you first do a simulation. And the simulation looks like this. You first basically generate the combination of atoms that you want to look at, then take some very fast and also not super precise method on a normal computer, which basically relaxes the crystal structure. And then you take some more expensive methods, which would be the method you would in the future translate to the quantum computer and try to really calculate then the magnetic properties. And this you kind of iterate automatically for many, many, many kind of cases of different materials. And out of this, you build, let's say, a certain amount of materials, say these, what we want to now try out in the lab and see uh, what their properties really are. Thank you so much. And given the current state of quantum of the quantum industry, what is most challenging for you as a CEO as you're growing the business? You know, I mean, the availability of quantum computers is still very low. Yeah, I mean, of course, they are in the cloud, but the computers that are available in the cloud are more for, let's say, small prototypical tests of something. They're not really for production algorithms, yeah, for really um, using it right now for productive um, cases. So, and as we like, like project to the future and think about how would this um, applications look like, we have to take this into account. Yeah, there's a relatively high cost per calculation. The error rates per operation currently limit what you can do. And so it will be quite specialized what it's going to be. And uh, our view is that basically you have to break down the kind of problem, the kind of quantum mechanical problem, all the way from the real material down to what is called a lattice problem. So that's a quite abstract description of the material that you want to solve. And um, then also find where is this particular description? If you really want to start with a quantum computer early, where does it generate real value? And um, we have done already a lot of work in, like, as I said, chemistry and materials. But we are also looking into other areas where we wonder if this type of lattice models could also not more directly link to what people do already. So we are really quite interested also to learn more about simulation challenges in all industries where you don't necessarily change your material, but you may, for example, have a very small device. So you have, for example, a structure consisting of different materials that is just a couple of nanometers large. So all the kind of things you do in the semiconductor industry, or for example, 
if you build uh, quantum well-based lasers. And uh, this is something we are looking at. So, and I mean, I don't know if people from that type of industry would listen to this um, uh, podcast here. But uh, since, you know, this is, uh, I mean, this is based from IEEE, right? Which probably contains people from the semiconductor industry. So this is something where we would get really a little bit more input also on what people are actually interested in and currently doing, but we are reaching out. And so to summarize this, the major challenge is to connect the kind of limited capabilities that still can be much more than normal computer can be, but very specialized. The limited or niche capabilities of the near-term quantum computers with what people in the industry might need most. Thank you. And how large is your company presently, or how many employees do you have? Yeah, we have about 30 employees. And do you have the one, only the one location in Germany, or are you, yes. are you planning global expansion anytime soon? No, I mean, no. So um, it probably, no. I mean, just to, no. I mean, we are quite satisfied currently with our position. I mean, this might change that I might say next year we expand anyway, but uh, currently it's not really seriously planned. Is Sorry, I just didn't. Is this you. your first company? Yes. So, yeah. so how has this journey been uh, managing this new enterprise with your co-founders just how do you resolve conflict and how do you navigate through some of the challenges that naturally occur? Yeah, so maybe to give you a bit of background of how we came to found the company. So I um, started working in the field of quantum computing and quantum metaphysics in 2006, 2005, 6. And um, around 2012, I had the feeling there were a couple of publications that convinced me that quantum computing could really work. Um, and at that point, I started also to look more into really what would be the applications be for the quantum computer and how would they look like, how would the algorithms look like. And um, at that point, three students started to work with me. So at first, a bachelor, then a master, then a PhD student. And these are the three that basically founded the company together with me in 2017. So when we founded the company, we had already worked together for five years almost. So to some extent, we had say, a good mode of you know, working together. And then in 2017, you know, we were in touch with a couple of companies in Germany, uh, Bosch and BSF, that were quite interested to explore what quantum computers could do for them. And so we basically started out doing consulting for them and then expanded into, I mean, to really develop um, software and similar things. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, I would say it has been, you know, since we had already really established workflows uh, between us co-founders, um, it has worked out really well so far, you know. Great, thanks. Have you filed any patents yet? Yes, we have filed um, about seven patents. 
in various areas, which I don't want to discuss in detail yet. But let's say broadly speaking, it's all related to running problems on um, quantum computers with with finite errors. Thank you. And how has the pandemic impacted your business this past year? I mean, surprisingly, um, surprisingly little to some extent, I would say, I mean, in terms of our work in office and so on. I would say, um, you know, like many other companies that do software, we switched to home office. So previously we didn't do much home office for people in our company, but yeah, we changed this. So then people were allowed to do home office that worked out very well. On the customer side, um, I felt, of course, everybody was a little bit, you know, afraid in 2020 of how this would impact business. And people were less interested in making broader research projects and so on. So I would say in that sense, it has impacted us to some extent. But also, I cannot really say how big that was or not, since I cannot, you know, I cannot compare to a normal year. Yeah, I mean, since we've been found in 2017, end of 2017, yeah. It's not that we had that, that many years of normal operation to compare to. So all in all, it was relatively okay, but I'm also happy that things return to normal. Or well, I hope that things return to normal soon. Maybe, maybe I can say one thing. A major thing that we want to actually achieve when it comes to one computers very soon, we would like to have more applications of quantum computers, like really productive application of quantum computers for research. So, you know, currently people make research on quantum computers, but we want to see more research with quantum computers where you answer, you know, questions that researchers have the quantum field theory or very abstract quantum lattice models, spin models, whatever. Yeah. And this type of quantum mechanical models that currently already people spend a huge amount of time and computational power to do in academia, that these really get solved productively on a quantum computer. And what we wanted to do to basically get this started also is to be present at big academic conferences. And this didn't work out because, I mean, of course, the online conferences happen partially, but, you know, online conferences are not the same as like really live conference. So um, this didn't really happen as we had hoped that this was the biggest impact because we think the first thing that should happen is that people in academia use quantum computers as a productive tool for research. You know, imagine currently people it was very expensive microscopes in academia to, I don't know, look at small objects, atoms, uh, small molecules, whatever. Yeah, I mean, people spend a lot of time and money to do that in academia. And similarly is, is what we see and think about the quantum computer, how it's really first going to be used. And in that area, we feel that our quantum kind of our error reduction methods that we uh, make that are related to simulating quantum mechanical problems would be could fit indirectly and would as also this would also help us to see if it works that it's used productively uh, to accumulate a certain amount of 
experience that everything works really nicely. And um, this didn't really happen as much as we had hoped. And um, let's see, you know, uh, if 2022 uh, all this whole conference, um, all the all the conferences come back live, in person. Now, are you primarily working with organizations in Germany or throughout the world? Um, mostly throughout Europe. So uh, I don't think right now we work actively with any American um, organization. I mean, maybe uh, informally we know many people, but um, I don't think we have an official collaboration. But throughout Europe, we have research and other types of collaborations. I mean, within like European research grants, for example, work with lots of collaborators. Okay, let's shift this a bit. So what is the most fun part of your job? I would say even today, I enjoy quite a bit to to really still go into the science itself. You know, uh, so and I still, and despite the fact that I run the company, I still sometimes take our time to look deeper into the question of how various algorithms are supposed to work, how that interacts with noise on a quantum computer. You know, um, go in depth into our own um, developments of of. Say, algorithms that are resistant to noise and errors on quantum computers. Um, I don't really do any programming myself, so all I do is pen and paper calculations. But um, this I still uh, enjoy, enjoy quite a bit. Okay, thank you. And what has been the hardest part of your entrepreneurial journey so far? I have to say, so far it has been relatively smooth. So I don't know. I mean, what was the hardest part? Um, maybe very early on, even before we had, you know, founded the company, an important part to learn was, you know, how to get in touch with potential customers. I mean, that's of course always like a major thing when you come from academia that you have no, no view of how you would do that. Yeah. Um, and today, I wouldn't say necessarily the hardest, but um, the least enjoyable part is probably everything to do with bookkeeping or similar challenges. You know, I mean, it's not that I'm very fond of questions of. I don't know how we have to do time tracking inside of the company to keep it adjusted to our bookkeeping and so on. I mean, that is all issues that are very important to keep everything you know, well documented and so on. But it's not, of course, a major wellspring of joy, I would say. And where do you see HQS in five years? Um, well, I do see us in five years as the leading companies for applications related to simulating quantum mechanical problems. I also would say I see, even in five years, the simulation of quantum mechanical problems as 
the major thing that will be done productively on quantum computers. I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, there are other views on that topic. Um, but and given that, I see that HKS as the absolutely leading company on applications on quantum computers, but that uh, we'll have to see. Thank you. And how would you advise entrepreneurs that are eager to enter the quantum computing space? What are some hard lessons learned that you'd like to share? I would strongly recommend that somebody who wants to um, enter the space, I mean, should have a really, really solid understanding of either quantum computing or of the application space they want to enter. Yeah? At best, both. And I mean, like a technical understanding, a really, really deep technical understanding of these topics. Since the quantum computer still needs a lot of, you know, doing to make it really work in a productive setting outside of the laboratory. Uh, and in fact, even to make it work really nicely, even in the laboratory, there's still a lot to do. And I think one should be fully aware of these technical challenges that exist and what they really mean if you want to code something for one computer, or what it means if you want to find, for example, a hardware startup, if you want to make hardware really, really work as a full quantum computer, what that really means. And um, so, so I think having a PhD in a field very closely related to quantum computing itself is maybe not a bad idea. Thank you. Now, are you still raising funds? Are you still fundraising? And where are we you? are? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are starting to fundraise right now. So, um, uh, so we we will fundraise in the next six to seven months, um, and want to close another round till end of the year. And that's roughly uh, the plan. Yes. And have you shared how much you've raised to date? Is that? It's public. It's two point five million. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And. Um... What has surprised you most about the the funding aspect of um, as it relates to growing the company? Are there any specific challenges that you'd like to share that you've experienced as you've navigated that space? I mean, I would say I'm not sure if I would express it as a surprise so much, but kind of a surprise. So I would say. You know, you um, when you just read into it, you know, just very superficially what you can find, you see a very clear view expressed how people invest and what this means. However, you know, you should be aware that there are many, many venture capital funds, many, 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 many. And there is not a uniform, given that there are so many, there's not a uniform concept of in which kind of companies you invest and what are the major, major, standard things you want to see. Yeah, this is not a completely standardized process. 
And this also means that, you know, if you have a clear view how you want to do it, you should probably express that view how you want to do it. And, um, and then I guess this will also lead to the fact that the, the kind of investors that you find will find that view good and overall, you know, interesting and, and uh, a good match of risk and, and possibility. And I think, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, it's my only startup, so I can't really compare. Yeah, but I would say that can be helpful probably uh, down the line, you know, um, in the kind of atmosphere as you work together with your investors. Thank you. And what's the plan exit strategy? Are you planning to be acquired? Are you planning an IPO? How, how does that mm. look like? I, I mean, I'm not necessarily comfortable already to like kind of sketch an exit strategy in that form. Yeah, I mean, we have a couple of views on how that would work, but maybe, um, I, I mean, it's not something in the public forum. I I'm already feel that makes sense to discuss in a detailed fashion. Sure, sure. So what would be, um, your advice to others in academia that would like to transition to, to basically launch their own startup. Not as, you, you shared some of, you, you shared a bit of advice earlier, but um, it's a very unique set when there's a transition, you know, when you're transitioning from a PhD um, to the business world, what would you, how mm -hmm. would you advise um, an individual seeking to make that step in academia? Um... Okay, let me first say, I mean, I think in academia itself, there are lots of topics that are worthwhile to study. So um, if we ask ourselves, what are we going to do with the so-called fully universal error-corrected quantum computer, which is like the ideal quantum computer, and how is this really going to work practically? I think there's still, a, I mean, not, I mean, there are good ideas what to do, but you know, on many fronts, there's still a lot of things that you could do. And even if this is like something that like fully universal error corrected quantum computer, still like 10 to 15 years out. That currently we work with these smaller, noisy quantum computers. But um, uh, I think this can be really worthwhile and also down the line be really worthwhile for you as an academic to work on that topic. Yeah, to establish yourself, work on it, understand it, and then maybe, you know, in a five to 10 years, yeah, you do, do a couple of postdocs and then in five to 10 years, you think about then as the next step in quantum computing ramps up to see if you transition there, yeah? Um, and, um, but also fundamentally, I think it's a super interesting topic and one that we really critically need. Also in the long run, where I feel people could, uh, I mean, of course uh, people work on it, but the whole field of, quantum hardware quantum error correction is something where, I don't know, progress is certainly appreciated. Yeah? I mean, currently we all believe that we use the surface code. I mean, that's probably true, yeah, but I think there are also lots of details about how you implement the surface code where uh, probably work is necessary and that could be a super interesting topic also down the line. Mm. And people who go right now I mean, who want to transition into uh, the field of quantum computing right now? 
I mean, on the application side, I feel you really have to have a clear idea how you handle the uh, the noise and the errors of quantum computers. And uh, but you know, I'm also happy if if I feel we have a good position in that field. So I'm happy if you, if people you know, don't have it and don't make another company that has it as a key goal to make that work. And uh, but that's it. I think this is like a key problem. And on the hardware side, I think maybe the most interesting part that could be currently really interesting is to really have a clear view how to make excellent qubits, like really on a small level, excellent qubits that then could be, you know, down the line, really scalable, a really large scale scalable, yeah? To less compete on this like 50 to 100 qubits level and more look at less qubits that you have, but that are really, really, really good, that then could be really fantastically scalable down the line. I just 